0: Welcome to Kyle, the College and Young Adult Ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's Word, fellowship, and prayer. Good morning. Whoa. Hey. Yeah. That's loud. We'll get it dialed in. I might just be loud. You just might have to deal with that. Hey, I'm James. As he said, if you don't know me, uh, I'm not Brandon, right? And some of you might think that's good. Some of you might think, most of you probably think that's bad. You're like, darn, we want Brandon. Well, he got the day off, so you're stuck with me. Uh, This is my wife, Rosie, down here in front, just in case you don't know. Woo! Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at this church along with Brandon. We were in Pakistan for a number of years and then uh, we were told to come back. Uh, and so we're back and so we're plugging in with missions here and missions is our heart and we're on the missions team here. Uh, so that's who we are, all right? That's not what it's about today, but just, you know, sometimes it's weird when you maybe show up and you just don't know who's up in front of you. Rosie says she was in... Uh, LFBI yesterday and the teacher never introduced himself and people are like who is that guy up there talking so I just thought maybe I should introduce myself right if you don't know your LFBI teacher ask them they'll introduce themselves too alright so as you can see you can't see oh you can't see I just can't see it alright so you got it we're going to be in Numbers chapter 11 but before we get there I'm going to kind of lead you in and we're going to actually start in Psalms and then if I could get some help on the back screen that would be cool too but we'll be in the book of, uh, of Psalms chapter 78 for just a minute to kind of get this kicked off. And we're going to look at the, the idea of what happens when God gives you your heart's desire. What happens when you really, when you get what you really, really want. But more specifically, what are the consequences of actually getting what's really in that heart of yours, what you really, really want, right? Because, you know, there's, there's a number of uh, verses in the Bible that tell us how, how good God is and how giving God is and, and how good it is for us to be uh, aligned with His will and then ask Him. He tells us in John chapter 15 and verse 7 if you abide in me and my words in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. That's unlimited. Uh, if you're in my will and you're asking, as long as it's within those boundaries, man, there's a lot of freedom and power in that. Psalms 145, 19. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear him. He will fulfill the desires of them that fear him. He will also hear their cry and will save them. 1 John five fourteen. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Anything that we ask, he hears us. Psalm 37, 4, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Now that's a beautiful side of God that I think maybe a lot of us are familiar with, and maybe if you're you're new around here and you're not, you go, Wow, I want, I want to know that God. I want to know the the God that can answer prayers and hear and save and can. You might get it wrong. You're like, Can give me whatever I want. He didn't say that. He said, You align yourself with my will, and we can do anything this is unlimited then all right now that's the God that we need to get a hold of right and if you're a father then you get this okay we have a few fathers in here and as your children start to get a little older when your children come and they start making requests that are that are based in love like when I see my my one of my kids asking if they can do something to serve their other brother or sister man I love that my answer is going to be yes right? When, when they're asking to, to do something that, that's, that's grounded in just, you know, my will and the Father's will and God's will, I'm, as a father, I love that. If it puts me out a little bit, if it inconveniences me, it doesn't matter because I want to I answer that request when my kids come. So if you're a father, you get that. You love to see that, right? Because most of the time my kids come because they're, they're fighting with one another and they're bickering. and, and, and then, But when, when, when my son comes and goes, hey, can you help me uh, get this so I can do this for my sister? I'm like, yes, sir. I'll answer that all day long. Right? All right, so fathers get that. Now, here's the question that we're going to look at and what we want to kind of work through. Will God give us things that are not good for us? What about when our desires don't align with his? And we're like, God, I really want this. Usually we don't say want that, we spiritualize it. God, I really need this, <laughs> right? Because we were told, don't, don't, don't give God your wants. So we're like, I need it, God. What, what, what about that? Will he give it to us anyway? What happens when your heart's desire is not aligned with His, and you ask God and you ask God, is He going to answer that? And if He does, what happens? So, you know, I have three kids. We were at a church down in the South visiting, um, you know, one of our partner churches, and they were doing a missions uh, conference, and we were down there as, you know, part of that. Event, and they really like to love on the missionaries and the missionary families. And, and I love it because they see, um, you know, Team Fife is really Team Fife. It's not just like James is the missionary. Sometimes you go places like James was a missionary. And then there's these tag-alongs that go with them. But they love our family. And so they gave uh, each of our kids like $100 or something. Uh, a lot of money when you're a kid. Well, a lot of money <laughs> anytime. But when you're five, that's like, that's like Fort Knox. And so they've all got this money, but what that means for them at that age is they just want to spend it. My kids have no concept of saving money and like holding on to it. So we get home and they're like, can we go to the dollar store? Because I have $100. (laughs) And I'm like, no, because that just means you're going to bring home 100 pieces of trash and we're going to throw them away tomorrow. We just put your money in the trash and save the gas. But they don't get that. They're like, no, but I have money, so I have to spend it. And then, you know, we'd go to the grocery store, and they go, oh, hang on, i got to get my money. i to like, what are you going to buy? You want me to buy extra eggs? Like, there's nothing for you at the grocery store. Like, we'll take care of that. But it's like every day and everywhere we go, and especially that dollar store, like, that's their, I don't know, it's got a hook in them. And so they're like, can we go to the dollar store? Or sometimes you go there to buy something because you need it, and they're like, I'm going to bring $100. No, you're not. You can bring two. That way there's only two things to throw away tomorrow. And eventually, they just keep hounding that thing. And I'm trying to give them wisdom, you know? I'm like, trust me, bro, because I know what you really want. You really want a remote-controlled car, and you actually have money for that. Or you really want this big Lego set, and you actually have money for that. You just need to wait until we make it to, to Walmart instead of the dollar store. So they keep saying, they keep pushing it, and they keep prying, like, Dad, I really want to take my money to the dollar store. And finally, you know what I said? I was like, fine, take your money to the dollar store. Let's go to the dollar store. Bring your money. Buy whatever you want. It's Christmas on your dime. And so they buy what they want, and they, and they got it. They got their heart's desire. And I, as a father, had tried and tried and tried to, to, to instruct them and to guide them, but their heart was set, on something at the dollar store. And, and I said, okay, let's go to the dollar store. And you know where all that stuff is now? Yeah, long gone. That was, that was months ago. Like, that stuff's been buried. It's probably, you know, decomposing already. It's so cheap. It's all broke down. It's gone. But I let him have it. Because sometimes it takes hard lessons for us to get it. Now they're going, hey, can I buy that remote control car? No, you don't have any dollars left, remember? You got what you really wanted, and you really wanted to spend it. Alright. So that's kind of the idea that we're looking about. Now we're in Psalm 78 to get this going, and in verse 29, am I in the right chapter? I am. So they did eat, it's talking about the nation of Israel, they're in the wilderness, and they've been asking God for uh, for, for flesh, So, and it says that So they did eat and were filled, for God gave them their own desire. And that's a scary verse, that God gave them their own desire. That what their heart was really seeking after, even though he knew this isn't in your best interest, and even though he had instructed and warned and told them and already provided everything they needed, they kept pushing the issue. They're like, God, we really need some meat. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you what you desire. Now, at the, at the core of what we're looking at today, is, then, of course, going to be what is your heart's desire? That, of course, is the core Right? And this is tricky... Because outwardly, again, we, we know how to maybe cover it up and play the game and, and to be in the right spot, but inwardly some of us are thinking, yeah, but I, what I really need is the is the is the right boyfriend, girlfriend, slash, spouse. Right? If I really got that person in my life, then I would be complete, or then I would be equipped to move forward, or then I would be and able to do ministry, and we even try to spiritualize it sometimes. Like, if I had her, I'd be, you know, I'd be ready for ministry. No, you have everything you need if you have Christ in his word, okay? But then we go, but if I had that job, like I really need a, a better job with a better schedule. Well, maybe you just need to submit to the schedule you have now and put make God the priority. No, but if I really had this other job, I'd do better. You see, and we start, it's because Jeremiah tells us our heart is, what is it? Brian said it. Deceitful. That stems back To a serpent in a garden that is subtle. We have that heart naturally in us. So we have this desire to fill ourselves up with our own desires. And of course, at the core of this is we got to set our desires aside in order to get Christ's desires and make sure that is the, the key of our life. So here's our thesis for this morning continued rebellion wearies the Lord. Continued rebellion wearies the Lord. If I were to rephrase that for you, I would say this. If you keep knocking on a door long enough, it will probably open. Okay? Have you ever had someone come to your door? Maybe it's your kid. We have our kids do this every once in a while, and they're like, doorbell, ding, 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 ding. And they're banging on the door. (laughs) Nobody answers the door happy. After that, and this is an amazing thing about our God. Is that He has emotion. He can be wearied. He can be frustrated. He can be angry. He he can be wrathful. He can be jealous. He is vengeful. But he is also joy. He has joy, and he rejoices over certain things. And he is like that. He is like me. You were like that kid with a hundred dollars, all right? Spiritually, and the more you go dollar store, dollar store, dollar store. I just need it, that job, that girl, that whatever it is. Eventually, he's going to go, I'm going to open this door, and you won't like it when I open the door. I'll give it to you. Now, let's back up here in Psalm 78 and put this thing in a little bit of context. I'm going to read verses 18 on down. It says, and they, speaking of the nation of Israel, tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Now, mind you, this is after he's already given a manna. He's already proven that he can furnish a table. He's already sustaining them. Behold, he smote the rock. Now, they're, look at this. They're, they're mocking God in the way. They, he smote the rock and water gushed out and streams overflowed. But can he give us bread also? Like they're trying reverse psychology on God. <laughs> uh, can, uh, can he provide flesh for this people? That works on a two-year-old. I don't know if you're... Big enough to put that milk away. They're like, watch this. And they put the milk away. (laughs) Tricked you. Here's the nation of Israel trying to trick God into delivering what they really want. Therefore, verse 21, the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven... Man did eat angels' food, and he sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought in the south wind. He rained flesh upon them as dust, the feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea, and he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitation. So they did did eat and were filled, for he gave them their own desire. That's where we were, verse 30. They were not estranged from their lust. But while the meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. And essentially God was saying, fine, that's your heart's desire, that's what you really want. I'm going to overwhelm you with your own desire. I'll give you what you want. And we'll look at this in just a second, how he rains meat down on them. He says, take it, eat it, live it up enjoy it. Oh, and by the way, the consequence will follow. When you get what you really want in your heart and it's not aligned with what God wants to give you, the consequence will follow. While they're eating that meat, while the meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and he slew the fattest of them. All right, so we need to go to Numbers chapter 11. That's where this story is, is recorded and where it actually takes place. And we're going to walk through uh, Numbers chapter 11 and uh, get, some, get some truth out of this for us today, okay? And when the people complained, verse 1, it displeased the Lord. Surprise. Right? Fathers know this too, that when your children complain, it displeases you. Uh, So God is no different than us as a father. The people complained and it displeased the Lord and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. All right? Uh, So the people begin to complain. God's not happy about that. Again, okay, parents, you get that. And then the Lord hears it and it says that he, he responds to their complaints their continued complaints, their continued knocking, their continued rebellion, their continued refusal to align their hearts with what he knows is best for them. And he says, all right, well, and he sends fire. His anger is kindled. That's our God who has emotion. And this is an amazing side note to me, that my actions, that my life can affect God's emotion, that I can bless God, that I can please God or that I can be that son that wearies God as well. I can light God's life up with joy or with his anger. And really, honestly, I think nothing, for me, this is me as a parent, nothing makes me more frustrated. Uh, Nothing makes me more... Yeah, maybe just. Yeah, frustrated is a good word. Then an ungrateful child, an ungrateful child who's continually in my presence, whining about what he doesn't get and what he doesn't have, and ignoring everything around him that he does have and the blessings that he has. As a parent, that's that's what frustrates me the most. I think in my children and i i would bet that god is not too different than that as we see the way that he works throughout the bible the ungrateful spoiled children are a frustration to the lord all right, and so, and then God sends the, the consequence. The fire comes and it begins to consume them, and it consumed them that were in the uttermost part of the camp. Those that were on the edges. So they, they had set up their camp, and, and, and when they set up a camp, they had, uh, the tabernacle, they had the tent in the, in the middle of the camp, and they had camp that was set up around it, and, and they were all supposed to be set up so that the focal point of everything in their life, uh, as they were settled, was the Lord God, was his presence, was that place where he dwelt. Uh, but now you see that, the, 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 the fire of the Lord, the consequence of the Lord, and it begins to burn in the uttermost, the edges, the borders, the outskirts, the fringes of the camp. And there's something very important there. If you want to protect yourself from discontentment, position yourself where you cannot see the things of your old life. If you want to protect yourself from discontentment, position yourself where you cannot see the things of your old life. I don't think it's a that it's just, uh, you know, uh, just um, luck of the draw that the fire began in the fringes. It's because these people that are way out here and are far removed from being able to see the glory of God in their life, from being able to see the presence of the Lord, are the ones that are out here and are easy. For them, it's easy to turn around and to look back into the wilderness and to think back on the things that they had. They're able to see their old life. And when we position ourselves like that, when we position ourselves on the fringes, when we position ourselves where we're always looking at what we had maybe before we came to Christ or before we were really fully in and before we were bought over, we get on the edges, it's really easy to start to get discontent. It's really easy to start complaining when you're out here and looking at everything else because looking at everything else only drives us to comparisons instead of being in here and there are people here that are living their life kind of out here you're not plugged in you're not bought in you're not serving you're not in a bible study you're not in discipleship you're showing up but you're really living life on the edges you're living life on the fringes now if you're new here and you're checking it out you're testing the waters praise the Lord we're glad you're here Uh, and I'm even glad you're on the edge because you're here if this is a new thing for you you're trying to figure out who is God well I would encourage you too to say come in a little closer because when you get closer you'll see him better but there's some who have been here far too long to still be standing way out here on the edges no surprise those are the ones that are also causing heartache for Pastor Brandon Those are the ones that he's got to spend more time counseling, dealing with pettiness, dealing with your complaints, dealing with all the murmuring. Why? Because you're still busy looking at, well, you know, life could be so different. It could be better. Or maybe you're just on the outside looking in and going, well, Kaya could be so much better. Look at all these problems. Look at this. Look at Midtown. Look at all this stuff that that could go better. Why don't they do this? They don't even socially distance well. Come on, half of them don't even wear a mask. But this guy, I mean, Nick's in here right up next to Brandon, who's right up next to the Lord. He doesn't have time to go, I gotta complain about all these things. I just gotta keep seeing God. Seth is in here going, I just gotta worship. I just see God, and I realize I'm not even equipped to worship, right? you have these, these men and women and, and Uriah's in here and he's not going, oh, you know I could make this better. Well if he is he's, then you know what he's doing? He's making it better. He's just doing it. He's not taking the time to, to sit there and, and to complain about. It. So when you choose not to get involved and you choose not to be in the mix, you choose not to come in, you choose not to give over to Christ, you choose just to hang out on the borders you will always find more to complain about. And uh And that complaining will weary the Lord. It'll probably weary your pastor too. Now I'm not telling you, hey, don't go to him for counsel. Don't hear that. You can go to him for counsel. You can go to your Bible study leader for counsel. But maybe just slow down for maybe five minutes and pray and consider what God says and see if maybe there's an answer in the word that you can get, even before you get there and just complain. Okay? Because those who are in... Well, they're not the ones that are out there getting burnt. And those who are in the mix, they see the things they can fix, but they're not complaining about it. And this is where God's judgment begins. It began out there on the edges. Because when you're standing next to complainers, it's a pretty good chance you're going to start complaining. When you're standing next to the discontent, there's a good chance you're going to become discontent. Right? But being in the center makes it harder to be influenced by the things on the outside. Things on the fringe, people on the fringe, they're able to see everything else that's going on around them, but they're, they have a really hard time seeing God and seeing his presence. And this can be very practical. Uh, sometimes, you know, that means a lot of things in your life. I had a friend who, who came to Christ, and he was a, an addict at the time, and he said, it, you know, he had to make practical changes in his life. He had to not drive into certain parts of town because that's where he always bought drugs. And he knew if he even drove through that part of town, it would be a challenge for him. He was making an intentional decision to say, I'm not going to live on the fringe. I'm coming in closer. And I had to, he had to make some changes. Maybe it means you don't go to certain places. You don't listen to certain things. Maybe you need to cancel Netflix. Maybe you need to delete that app. Maybe there are things in your life that are keeping you separated, that are sucking your time, that are making it so that all you see is, well, my schedule's full. I'm busy. Like, I really can't get in there. Well, make some changes. Because he's worth it. To be in the middle... Say it's crowded in there. Shove in. There'll be more room. You want to be there. Anything that casts my vision towards the world should be considered a direct attack on personal holiness. Anything that takes my vision off of the Lord, anything that creates distance between me and him is a direct attack on what God wants to do in my life and sanctifying me and letting me, setting me up to live a holy life in his presence. I must see those things as an enemy. I must hate them. I must go to war with them. First Chronicles 29, 2. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good <clears throat> of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I had prepared. This is David as he's talking about laying up for the house that his son would eventually build. But he says this. Listen, I've set my affection towards the house of God. I don't, he didn't even get to build that house. He's like, my heart is so much into this, I'm laying up for that next generation to be that one. Colossians 3, of course, verses 1 and 2. Uh, you know, set your affection on things above and not on things of this earth. So you have in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. I want to contrast that um, with Numbers chapter 20 and verse 16. I'll just read it to you. There's a slide that will help with this. It says, And when we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent an angel and brought us forth out of Egypt. And behold, we are in Kadesh, a city in the uttermost of thy border. And here's, here's the people of God. Two different types of crying out. Two different verses. Very different heart that, it, that, that drives this. In Numbers 11.1 1, it says, And we complained. Whereas in Numbers 20.16 it says, We cried out. They didn't see a complaint. They cried out for a way to fix it. God heard. This is the next step in both of those. God heard your complaint. His anger was kindled, or he will send an angel of the Lord. He burnt them, or he will deliver. He consumed them. Again, he brought them forth and delivered them. Those are the, those are, those are the ways that these things play out when we go before the Lord. All right, let's move, move on past this verse. Verse 3. So we keep working our way down in Numbers chapter 11. And the people cried unto Moses in verse 3, and he, and he called the name of the place Tibera, which, uh because of the fire which burnt among them. And so God names this place based on their rebellion. Uh, and then in Deuteronomy 9.22, they revisit this place as they wander in the wilderness. By the way, remember what happened here? I sent fire and burned you up because of your desires, because of your wickedness, because you provoked the Lord. You know, we've all lived there. We've all had those moments. It is good to remember those moments. Every once in a while, God will let you revisit that just and go, oh yeah, don't want to do that again. In verse uh, 4, let's keep moving down. And the mixed multitude was among them Uh, fell lusting and the children of Israel also wept again. So when they came out of Egypt they brought not just the children of Israel but a mixed multitude. So Egyptians and others people that that, just came out and and had seen what God was doing. So those people they, they began to lust and the children of Israel also wept again and said who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely and the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And they're remembering fondly all of those things has anyone here ever been like oh those leeks they were so good at that one restaurant if I could just go back there and get some leeks I've never personally felt that I don't know they were doing something right in Egypt then because they were loving the leeks even like, how many of you don't even know what a leek is like, that sounds like you mean leech those things that suck your blood it kind of sounds like that it's not that at all you should, it's, it's a plant Alright, it's a, it's a green thing. How many people don't eat green things? <laughs> College kids don't. No worries. What were we doing? So they, they start looking back and they're remembering all the things that they had when they were in Egypt. But the problem was they've forgotten one big point. They were slaves. They were servants. And the biggest point from God's perspective is that they were not allowed to worship. That was the bigger issue. You can be a slave as long as you're free to worship. You weren't free to worship. Well, I'm going to take you out of here because you, I will dwell with you. That's what Exodus was all about. But here they are. They're going, oh, but they fed us. They got their priorities completely backwards. Now they're in the presence of the Lord, and God is dropping manna from heaven and sustaining them. And they go, but there was garlic <laughs> and fish and leeks. And leeks are Delicious. But now, verse 6, our soul is dried away. And there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Now, what a position to be in. That they could despise the miraculous blessing, sustaining of the Lord in their lives. This manna, this stuff, it doesn't taste like garlic. It's not as good as a fish. And so they begin to despise that. And they're saying, our soul is all dried up. No, your soul isn't dried up because you don't have meat. Your soul is dried up because you haven't been close to the Lord. Your soul is dried up because your heart is set on the wrong thing. Your soul is dried up because your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked, and you let it take over without checking that against what God said. That's why your soul's dried up. It has nothing to do with what you have or don't have. That's when your soul got dried up, all right? So this is a really dangerous thing, too. Point number two, key point number two. Remembering the things of the world with affection will always cause you to despise the blessings that God has in your life now. So we can position ourselves where we see them and we're going to want it. Okay, so I'm getting away from that, but then every once in a while, I'll let my mind wander and I'll start thinking about some of those things that were in my life, perhaps before I was saved. Perhaps I was saved and I was just living like I wasn't. And when we start to think on those things positively, affectionately, guaranteed, you will begin to despise what God is doing in your life now. You know that? Because the trip down memory, memory lane never ends like it did on Sesame Street. These trips down memory lane in our mind, where we start thinking back on the sins of our flesh or the fun of our flesh, the things that we were before Christ, the things that we were when we were rebellious to Christ, when we start thinking on those things, it never leads us to a place where we're worshiping God. It will subtly and slowly or maybe directly and rapidly lead you back into that same wickedness. Oh man, I wonder how those people are doing. I'll just... Look him up on Facebook real fast. I wonder how that girl's doing. I'll just see what she's up to. Wow, she looks good. All those people are having fun. I'll just send him a message and say hi. Uh oh. That was such good times back then. That's where I want to be. You remember Sesame Street? You guys know what I'm talking about. Anybody remember Sesame Street? There was that there was that bit on Sesame Street. It was called Here Is Your Life with Guy Smiley. Does anyone remember that? You remember? Uh, guy Smiley put there's a picture of Guy Smiley in Sesame Street and he was like, House, here is your life. And they would he would walk them down all these memories of House's life and everything was real happy and everything was real joyful and, and he's like, hey, here's the guy who designed you. It's the architect. Frank Boyd left, because that's what they do on Sesame Street, right? Uh, Y'all don't even know. You're just looking at the picture going, man, that is really awful image quality. (laughs) Like, that thing is so blurry, you can't even see guys smiling. And that is actually Frank Lloyd left right there. Listen, that's because this aired in 1986. (laughs) That's the truth. This bit aired in 1986. The majority of you weren't even alive when this aired. We were trying to figure out how to just make, you know, images move on a TV back then. That was... That was, that was high tech, all right? But, but the point is still the, is still the same. Sesame Street sells you the idea that reminiscing is always good and it's always going to lead you into some joyful place. Let's, let's revisit all the things that you had in your life. Generally speaking, bad idea. <clears throat> bad idea. And you know it, right? You've been there. You've had those times where you bumped into someone from your old life, and all these thoughts start coming back and all the memories come back. and you're like, "Yeah, that was a good time." Forgetting that you were a slave the whole time you were there, forgetting that you weren't able to worship God because of where you were positioned and the life you were living, and you're like, but, "But it wasn't that bad. Maybe I can get a little more garlic. getting a little more garlic will get you burned them leaks whatever that is and this is really what Satan has to offer I think this is actually the greatest thing that Satan has to offer towards the world and the, the simple answer is more Satan can always offer you more he's liberal he's free that's what he did with Adam and Eve I know you got a lot but look here's just a little more Actually, I'll give you that too. Right? And this is how he works. Because he doesn't have truth offering, He doesn't have contentment or satisfaction. But if he can give you more, he can paint God as the one that's withholding from you and you start to buy that lie. Oh, God doesn't want me to have joy. God doesn't want me to be successful. God doesn't want me to to flourish. No, God wants all of that for you. Adam, the reason he told you not to eat of that tree is because he loves you and it's going to kill you. It wasn't because he was withholding. It's because he wanted you to stay alive and walk with him. But this is Satan's. I think this is Satan's greatest offer, always. And they're like, "Oh, Pastor Brandon told you you shouldn't do this anymore." And Satan's like, "But I'll let you do it." Oh, that church—they said you should cut that out of your life. And Satan's like, "But I'll—I'll give it to you. You can have that. You can have the cake." and eat it too they say that's impossible that seems like a really dumb saying to me though because I get cake and eat it a lot so actually I don't know what that means but that's what they say so just cut that part out of the video I don't even know what cake, having your cake and eating it means but this is what Satan offers listen and th- as the world continues to go this is what will happen Ah. Uh, You know, liberality, freedom to do what you want will always lead into more wickedness, and more wickedness will always lead you to to thinking you have more freedom. It will take you farther, and it will just be this continuous cycle where you think, I have the freedom to do something, and it will lead you into wickedness, and that wickedness will show you new wickedness and say, hey, you still have more freedom, and you'll jump into that, and you just walk in this endless cycle, and that's what Satan has to offer. And as the world becomes more liberal, it will also become more wicked. And as the world becomes more wicked, it will continue to become more liberal. And nothing will be off-limits. You see it. All you got to do is look at our society and you see how Satan is offering this very thing to everyone. Nothing is off-limits. Take what you want. Remember who you used to be. Oh, that was good. Consider. Imagine. Dream about who you could be. Oh, that's even better. And I'll give you that. And when we look to what we had in the world, we will always fall into that trap. Uh, And we forget what God wants to give to us. Because he told us in 2 Peter 1.3, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. He just wants to give it to you. So in the world there is, you know, liberalism, there's liberality, but in Christ there is Liberty. And that is very different than, than the liberalism that is offered in the world. In Christ there is liberty. And we don't have time to develop that, but you should be aware of that. They are very different. God has promised to give you the manna freely. That's right. And he's given you liberty in him. Now listen, and, and, and in terms of that, here's key point number three. The world will always give you more. It just hides the bill of sale. You don't realize how steep the payment is for what you're actually getting. Yeah, you should not eat it of the tree? Well, you won't surely die. Hide that part. It's okay. Actually, you'll be like gods, knowing good and evil. And somehow, this, this is how it works in our lives too. We, we, we see the lie, we hear the lie, we buy it, but we don't realize the cost. And because we don't realize exactly how much it costs, we think we can just get in like one foot in for a minute and enjoy it and then get back and no one will even know. Like, I'm just going to do this today and then I'll go back to church on Tuesday night, pray about it, it'll be good, and I'll move on. No, the cost is never that cheap when we're dealing with sin. The cost is always much higher than you've been led to believe. It will hold on to you and and the compound interest and the fees and the taxes that come with jumping into sin will burden you for weeks and months and years and sometimes your life. You will be holding on to the consequences of one small purchase you made. He told me it was so cheap though. It's like cable bills. You sign up, it's twenty nine dollars a month. You're like, this is a good deal. A year later, you look at your bill. You haven't even looked at it for a while. You're like, I'm paying $150 a month. How did that happen? And then you try to cancel it, and you call them up, and you you press 1 to do this. You press 1, press 3, press 7, press 9. You want to talk to a real person? Yeah, I would. Zero. Uh, We're all busy right now. Call back later. You're like, you don't even know how to get out of it. You're stuck with all these channels that you don't want anymore, and you're paying so much to get them. That's what sin does. That's where these people were, and their hearts were set on that. When our hearts get set on the wrong thing, we think we can buy it uh, at a premium, but really it's going to cost you everything. And this is what God did. He heard their cry, He heard their prayer. And even though it was wicked and completely against what He wanted for them, He said, All right, well, I'm going to give it to you. But you've got to take the price of it too. You get the full weight of that. Let me say this real quick. Maybe you're new around here. Maybe all this stuff seems a little crazy. Let me just take one second to tell you this. There is freedom in Christ so much so that he would give us eternal life, that he would set us free from our sins. And the reality is that, uh, you know, in the Bible, the Bible tells us there's two ways to pay for the price of sin. Okay, One is that you can let Jesus Christ pay for it for you, which he already did on a cross, and all you have to do is accept that. And because his blood is eternal, because he is eternal, that sacrifice covers you eternally and brings you into his presence. But should you choose to reject that, and this is what we're talking about, you can actually pay that bill yourself. The only problem is it will cost you eternity in hell. You see, and Satan keeps telling us the price isn't that high. It's okay if you, because all roads lead to God anyway, because God is love, and in the end, it's all okay. No, that is a lie. There is one way, and the price has been paid, and the other way is that you get to pay that price, but man, that is forever, never, ever ending, because it's an eternal debt. You might not have realized this, but you are an eternal being already. You have an eternal soul. So you can pay that price. Satan won't tell you the truth, but I'm going to tell you, God always will. He'll tell you the price up front. And that's it. And we desperately don't want that. And Numbers, we've got to run real fast. Chapter 11, jump down to verse 10. You know, the people are just complaining and complaining. And Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. And the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly, and Moses also was displeased. And you just see the heart of a man of God. Not only does your complaining weary the Lord, but the truth is your complaining is going to weary your Bible study and your complaining is going to weary your pastor and there will be men and women who who are involved in your life who are are just like Moses, who love you enough that they too too are going to be hurt and distressed by your rebellion. This is one of those hidden prices. Satan never tells you that your choices will affect far more than just you. sat in Brandon's office and he said, hey, pray with me for so-and-so because they're on the fringe or they're not here anymore because his heart breaks when, his, when, when the sheep wander astray. There are Bible study leaders that are in that same boat. The heart of a man of God is one that desperately loves his people and when, when, when your people are grieving God, Bible study leaders, disciples, uh, you should be grieving as well. Moses is right there with God. God's, God's grieving. Moses is grieving. Um, beautiful heart. That's where we need to be. And then, so God tells Moses, all right, fine. I'm just going to summarize so we can wrap up quick. Verses 16 to 23, God is telling Moses, he goes, fine, you know what? Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give it to him. I'm just going to give them flesh. I'm going to let him have it. And they're going to get the consequences of it. And, uh and, and verse 21, And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen. Just the soldiers, right? Uh, and that was said, You'll give them flesh that they may eat a whole month? This is God's promise. I'm going to overwhelm you with your desire. You want a little bit of flesh? He said, I'm going to give you enough flesh that you can eat for a month. Shall, all, all, shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together? we were getting an idea of how big this, uh, either how big this multitude is, or maybe Moses just didn't realize how many fish are in the sea. But he's like, it would take the entire ocean to feed all these people. That's a big people. And the Lord said unto Moses, is the Lord's hand waxed short? Uh, thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass or not. God's like, all right, Moses, just watch this. And it says that God uh, sends quails. Verse 31, And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and he brought quails from the sea, and he let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Two cubits. A cubit's about a foot and a half. So we're talking about three feet deep, Quails, a day's journey in every direction around the camp. An average person can walk 30 miles in a day. Imagine quails three feet deep from here to Harrisonville. From here to up into you know, to Gladstone. Quails in every direction. Uh, that's 30 miles. Most of us live in a 30 mile radius. Quails from this church all the way to your house this deep. God's like, I'll overwhelm you with your desires. You want it? All right, fine. I'm going to step back and give it to you, and I'll give you more than you ever wanted. That's a lot. (laughs) Um, And the people stood up all day, all that day and all that night, and all the next day. They just went on this binge. All day, all night, all the next day. They're up gathering quails. They gathered and gathered, and he that gathered the least gathered ten homers, and they spread them abroad for themselves round about the camp. They're like, look at what I got. One homer is ten baths, right? And the person that gathered the least gathered ten baths, like a hundred bathtubs full of quail. A hundred of those things full of quail. That's how much the least of us gathered. So God's overwhelming them with it, and he gave it to them. Verse 33, And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the lord was kindled against the people and the lord smote the people with a very great plague and we just read the consequence of that that the fire came and the lord destroyed them these people went on a binge and uh, got everything they wanted and it brought destruction what are your heart's desires what is it that you really want it must be evaluated Regularly, because our heart's subtle; it drifts. Today, you have to evaluate: what are my heart's desires? What is it that I really want? Maybe an easy way to 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 reckon that would be, what, am I, what, what are the things that keep me up all day and all night? What am I willing to lose sleep over? When I go on a binge, it's like, I just watched seven seasons of Netflix. That's because that's what your heart really wants. Have you ever stayed up all night because that word study was just so good? You were just trying to figure it out? Have you ever stayed up all night praying for the souls of men? Have you ever stayed up all night because your disciple's in a difficult place? These people were like, all day, all night, we're going after quail. Well, what about you? What do you sacrifice your sleep for? What do you go on a, on, a, on, a, on a binge for? Does God consume you like that? We need the worship team to come up. we got to wrap. What does your heart really want? And the truth is you may never verbalize it because we're good at covering it up. We're good at playing the games, but you know the recesses of your heart. You know the, what's in there. You know how you reason with God. You know the deals you're trying to make. That if I had this, I'd be able to serve you better. It doesn't work. The nation of Israel tried to play mind games with the Lord. Do you really think you can give this much food? And that's what we do. And guy goes, I will. You'll hate it. So stop the games and say, where is your heart? What would I give everything for? What would I stay up all night for tonight? And if it's not the things of the Lord, you have an opportunity right now. As we worship, where you're seated, grab someone next to you. Or as we worship, come down here and somebody will pray with you. If there's wickedness in your heart that you need to drop off today, drop it. Don't carry it. If you've been looking back at the world, if you're walking, letting your mind wander down memory lane, drop all of those things. Find somebody to pray with and say, I've got to get these things out of my life. Set down a stake and say, I need what God wants. And that's it. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we need only you. And I pray that we would want only you as well. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, Please visit our website at C-A-Y-A dot L-I-V-E-A.